Welcome back to the second hour of the KPK Outdoor Show. I'm Bob Sims. Every Saturday, we're right here on 1530 AM and 93.1 FM KFBK. Join us if you can. Well, Rob Reimers has been splitting time with uh, the Feather River this week, trying to get some of those early run salmon and kokanee over at Berryessa. And he joins us now to tell us what happened. Good morning. Okay, I guess we ro- lost Rob. He'll, he'll call back. Uh, he might be in a bad spot. I know that uh, he was out in the river, and without telling you too much, um, <clears throat> they, he hooked a couple of fish, salmon, yesterday. Now, the problem is where a lot of the, uh, the salmon we're holding is right below the after bay outlet. It creates a current that holds salmon. That's where the cold water and warm water come together. Well, that's gone away because they're just, they're just letting a trickle out of the after bay. So uh, it's taken away the salmon's holding area. Now, when that happens, well, you gotta you gotta catch them on the move because that feather, you know, it moves down. There's a lot of shallow riffles. They move up. Those can be difficult to fish. And so when they get into certain holes, and there's very few of those on the Feather River, like there are another, like the Upper Sacramento. And so uh, it's it's difficult at times to uh, you know, to to fish it when when you know you you took away the attraction from there. So, is uh, is Rob back? Okay, he's uh, he's no doubt having some problems. So I'll tell you what, let's talk to uh, um, Jim Johnston of Sierra Streamside Cabins. I talked to Jim yesterday, and why this was important was uh, he, he's got some cabins on the river up there uh, near between Downeyville and Sierra City. Well, this forest closure has shut him down, and he talks about other people that have had the shutdown. The, this, well, we will get back to Jim Johnson. We do have Rob back. Bear with us here, okay? Uh, so if he's on the phone, good morning. Good morning, Bob. I don't know. They put me on some weird foreign line, and I was getting some strange stuff, and it was going in and out, and I thought I was on hold, but I wasn't on hold. And... Okay. <laughs> Finally, anyway. I my radio back up to see what was going on, and, and you were sitting there talking about losing me, and I'm sitting here on hold listening to some <laughs> weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen. I, I was telling them. I was telling them about you out in the river and actually hooked a couple of fish yesterday. Uh, you didn't land them, but uh, it was kind of surprised because you were seeing fish and everybody was saying they were off the bite, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I wasn't quite right. Uh, what you're talking about was two days ago. I went out there and uh, I got a couple of hookups right away, and there were some fish moving around, marking them on the screen. You know, really starting to see some fish up there, seeing some good signs of life. And uh, then I went out yesterday, and the bite had turned off. And I didn't get any any bites at all yesterday. And a friend of mine, Pete Franco, he was out there, a fellow guide, and we were experiencing the same thing. We were going to – he's got his spot. He likes to fish. I got my spot. I like to fish. We were going to fish our prospective spots and then for a couple hours and then get together and row fish the hole. But – uh it, the the bite just was not on yesterday. They they had dropped that water probably another three four inches, and I think that um, had an effect on them. 
that's just a, that's just poison to salmon fish when they drop the water. It just it does something to those fish, and they're just they don't want they don't want to eat anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I had a funny story. I was going out there the the day that I got bites, and I was backing my boat in, you know, and and I started backing it off the trailer, and it's so low out there now. I mean, right where you go off the ramp, you got a nice big hole from everybody blowing the gravel out, you know, with their jets. But then it piles up right out there a little way. So I, you got got to, before your boat ever gets off the trailer, you got to be turning it. And almost just, as soon as it'll get out from the runners, it'll turn it or you're going to get on that gravel. And I was backing off there and I don't know, wasn't paying enough attention. Hazards to having a big boat. And I backed right onto that gravel bar. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> And then as the current goes, it swings my nose around, and it gets on the gravel bar. So I'm going, oh, yeah, now. And the worst part about it, I look around, it's like, I'm the only one here. There ain't nobody to help me. And I'm looking at that 57-degree water, and I'm 30 feet from the bank, and I'm going, what am I going to do? Yeah. And just as a true fisherman, the only thing I can really think of is, man, I'm going to miss the opening of the, of the time today, you know, I'm not going to get out there in time. So I finally go, what am I going to do? You know, cause I, I couldn't fire up my motor, you know, cause it just suck up gravel. So I, yeah, I raised the motor up all the way and it seemed like the boat moved just a little. So I run up front and got my anchor and I didn't want to throw it out the front cause I just would have pulled the motor into it deeper. So I went to the, drug it back to the back of the boat and climbed down on my little step. I got back there and just, through that 26-pound anchor as far as I can throw it, and I just start pulling on it a little bit. and I pull the anchor right back to me, but at the same time, I can feel the boat move a couple feet. And I throw it out there again and bring it back and <laughs> boat to move a couple of feet. I did that about a half a dozen times, and then finally I just fired up the boat real quick and pulled myself off. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a I video. I, I love to see a video of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But then the only thing I really think of was getting off. It wasn't like, oh, I got my boat off. It's like, oh, I'm going to make it on time, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting thing. So uh, the river's low enough to where boats are going to have trouble uh, running up and down it, Rob? Yeah, uh, yeah, I really think it, it, they're going to have trouble running up and down it. Uh, probably the inboard jets are going to do a lot better. Than the outboards because uh, you're, you're. I don't know why they have to have that boot angled on the outboard jets to pick up more water, but evidently they do. Uh, I seen the fishing game Creole guys come by me a couple of days ago, and um, you know they they asked you know my what they usually do, and then um, they took off down below me, and the guy, young guy, just didn't really know. He took off and didn't give himself enough time to plane out. And, they hit that ripple down there, wham, 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 and then I kicked it in in neutral, and then I thought, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> I go, yeah. I, ain't, I ain't going down there to get them. No, then, no. But they what? kept floating. They were bang, 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 you know. Oh, And finally just Lord. crunched and banged their way down there. Yeah, there goes our tax dollars right there. And yeah. then they made it down the east runway, and I never saw them again, so I don't know if they were stuck someplace else, or they just stayed down oh. there. But, well, well yeah. the 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 bottom line out of all this, you you got some fish in the river. I assume they're fresh fish, and uh, as the water stabilizes, I would I would guess you'd be able to start catching them, don't you? 
Yeah, I would think so. Uh, you know, I'm going to hit it kind of hard this week, both on the feather and the sack. And uh, it seems like we're getting some fish up here uh, enough to where, you know, it'll be well worth fishing, you know, giving her a try. And I'm probably going to start, you know, booking trips uh, the following week for sure. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing some improvement. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's important. I mean, uh, we're just going to, you, you guys like you are just going to have to figure out what you're going to do to fish that river this year. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a little more time over on the sack. You know, uh, I haven't been over there in a few years. I went over there once last week. I'm going to go a couple times this week. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it, it was kind of nice being back there up there to Kelly hole, Anderson hole yeah. and stuff, you know, sure. above Chico out of Irving Finch. And, uh, uh, I'd like to really fish that again this year. You know, uh, sure. it's kind of nice moon dog one. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and fish we'll see, there, yeah. We'll see, we'll see what develops, I guess, Rob, huh? Yep, we will. They're catching fish up there now, Red Bluff. So. Yeah, well, see, the water's cold enough up there that they're holding up. So those yeah. guys are going to be doing a lot better up there. Yeah. But now we're yep. starting to get enough fish in, and they slow up through there. But the water's not really cold enough for them to stay there. It was like 64 degrees when I was there last week. Where? So uh, at um, Kelly Hole up here on the sack. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's not quite. Uh, a, that's not going to do it. Yeah, I remember when it was real good a few years ago. You know, you go up there to be like 57 degrees. You know. Yeah. And yeah. we're just not going to get that. The water just warms up too much. But but it is cool enough. That's, you know, they get to that 70-degree water down below, and they get up in there, they start slowing up and resting a little bit yeah. before they go. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a chance. Yeah, and it's just starting. So, okay, good deal. Yeah. Well, good luck this week, and we'll talk to you next Saturday, Rob. All righty. Okay, bye-bye. And stay off the gravel bars. <laughs> Rob's number to book a trip, 530 0051. After the break, Mr. Scott Laseth from Alaska. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, if you remember last week, Scott Laseth was going to be up in Alaska. And he said, well, we'll push the time back to 7.15. And I got a hold of him yesterday and we recorded something where he handed me off to a chef He's up at the Real Salty Charters in the Kenai Peninsula, actually uh, Nanilchik. So uh, uh, listen to what the chef is preparing for the boys that night. Scott, you're in Alaska. Uh, rather than having you call in at 7.15 and disrupt everything, I thought we'd just record this. What are you doing? Are you fishing? You know, we're we're fishing tomorrow, but I don't care where you are, wherever you're listening, I'm in a better place than you are. Um, <laughs> it's you know, the weather the weather in Alaska can turn on you and it is absolutely slap dead gorgeous blue skies. So for those of you who are tired of yellow skies and smoke and ash falling, I'm telling you I feel your pain, but I'm in a better place right now and we've got a big <laughs> Uh, din dig tonight, and I want to. I'm going to turn you over to the chef, but I'm in. I'm with Real Salty Charters, so check them out. RealSaltyCharters.com. Uh, Dylan, Chef Dylan Keller is going to tell you what's on the menu, and then um, I'll I'll catch up with you 
next week. How's that? Uh, uh, okay, you got it. Put him on. All right, here's Dylan. Hey, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Dylan. So uh, what are you cooking tonight? Well, so tonight we are going to do a, uh, a full baked halibut, and it's going to be cooked with a uh, uh, chipino over the top. We're going to put it in some parchment oh. paper and bake it. Then we're going to pull it out, and we're going to pan sear it. Uh, we're also doing a stuffed dogfish, spiny dogfish, or also known as a sand shark. We're going to yeah. uh, have it all. So we're going to take the dogfish, and uh, we got it all cleaned out. And we're actually going to cook it whole, too, and stuff it with apple, tomato, potato, and onion. Uh, a little bit of green onion and chive in there as well. Uh, wrap that all up. Stick it with some kebabs and bake that. And then we've got uh, an octopus that we've ground up, and we're making octopus sausage. So we will have some octopus sausage burgers. <laughs> we also, That's pretty good. We also have... Yeah, it's it's phenomenal too, uh, and we actually have halibut brats as well. So we've taken halibut, ground it up with some binder, and put it in casings. So we have halibut brats as well, and then we are gonna do uh, a native uh, tradition here, where we take the spine out of a salmon, or they call it the carcass, and we will cook the spinal cord. Um, and cook it about two minutes each side, and then we fork all the meat off into a bowl, and you get that close-to-the-bone meat uh, from the salmon, and it's super rich, and it makes the best spread, the best sandwiches, dip, anything yeah. you want to do with it. Um, and then uh, let's see, what else do we got? Is it is is uh, it uh, is oh. it like is it is hey Dylan? Is it like the cheek meat? The cheek meat? Yeah, it's yeah, it's like that. So it's it's got all the fat. And then you're also getting all the marrow yeah. and everything out of it as you cook it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just fork it right into a bowl. Uh, and then we're also doing a uh, morel-encrusted crispy salmon with the skin on. So we've taken some local morels that were harvested here. Oh. We dehydrated those, ground them up, and then we are going to uh, encrust the salmon with that. And then uh, after that, we have taken another salmon. We've skinned it, and we are doing uh, salmon chips. So you take the skin with as much fat on it as you can, and you just deep fry them in little chip chunks, and you got uh, skin chips. My goodness, you got your work cut out for you. Now, what's the shindig? Uh, well, you know, we got one more dish, too, on top of that, because after you've eaten oh, okay. all the entrees, you got to have dessert. Yeah. And so... For dessert, we're doing uh, native ice cream or Eskimo Inuit ice cream is the more appropriate name. Yeah. And that is just animal fat, local berries. Uh, and then we've done a zested uh, whipped cream for the top. And that will be dessert. That sounds delicious. Well, where, where do we have to go if we come up to uh, uh, Minichik to, to, to taste some of this? Come right to Real Salty Charters. Come sit around the bonfire and enjoy a feast. Chef Dylan Keller, hey, thank you so much. That sounds fa- Teach Scott how to how to cook all that, will you, so he can bring it back down here? <laughs> Roger that. Will do. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chef. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for your time. And that's Chef Dylan Keller up at Real Salty Charters, and that's R-E-E-L, Salty Charters. Dot com. Uh, Scott told me after that that this episode will be on the Dead Meat Show in either late November or early December. We'll uh, remind you. 
Now let's talk to Jim Johnson, who owns Sierra Streamside Cabins, loves to fish. The Forest Service is closing his forest as of tomorrow night, and here's what he had to say about it. Jim, uh, your forest, Tahoe National Forest, is one of the forests being shut down Sunday, tomorrow at, or I should say Sunday at 11.59 p.m., according to the Forest Service. Uh, now, there's no fires in your area, right? No, there's no fires on the Tahoe at all. And the, the nearest fire to me is in Plumas County, up around yeah. Lake Almanor. Yeah. Now, so, so it looks like they're, they're doing two things. They're, they're closing the forest in case a, a fire starts, or they're closing the forest to keep people from starting a fire. I'm not going to confuse logic and the Forest Service. I, I know, I know, I know. Well, it just it's it's just another easy way out of something. I mean, we're, you know, these fires are devastating, but but you don't shut the world down in case you got to go to work. I I just don't. I, I'm not sure I understand it. But that, well, keep in mind, that, we only had 24 hours notice, and all the innkeepers, yeah. restaurants, etc., have been calling all their clients canceling and sending back refund checks, unfortunately. Like you. Like me, yes. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, and you won't be able to make that up because that, that closure is going to extend well into September, isn't it? When Labor Day is gone, Labor Day is gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, all the, the, like, Sardine Lake Resort, they're going to be closing, right? Sure. I mean, that means restaurants, that means cabins, that means boat rentals, that means everything. And um, so the National Forest itself is closed. Um, can you drive through it? On, on a public road, yes. Yeah, okay. You know, can, you, okay. can you get off the road and go for a hike? No. Yeah. But I, any, you know, it, as, I, as I said, my wife just drove down to, through Sacramento, and the air quality is better here at 5,000 feet than it is in Sacramento. Hmm. And if someone yeah. wants to get a last-ditch fishing effort and I would come up this weekend and fish one of the lakes yeah there's nobody there now is there nobody and there's nobody on the river either huh how's the fishing in the river it you know it's okay it's not great the, the water is you know gets warm in the afternoon and it's low but people are taking lots of small fish um you know, 10s and 12s on little tiny caddis, 18s and 14 caddis. Wow, okay. I mean, there's, there's no insect hatch, but there's still, the water's so low, the fish can see whatever's above them. Are there any reports from the lakes at all? I haven't been in the lakes because, you know, the air was so bad. Yeah. I, I, did, I didn't go up for the, for the last, I don't know, two weeks. But keep in mind, you know, when the state emptied the hatcheries in July, a lot of those fish came up here. So my, my best hunch is that sardine and salmon and gold have plenty of fish. That's Jim Johnson at Sierra Streamside Cabins. And, and why we have a problem with this, uh, like, like up at Sardine Lake Resort, they have a bunch of cabins. Those aren't the people that, that start the fires. That's a very controlled area. Why close the restaurant there? Why close their little boat rentals? They, that's, that's not a fire danger. Look, Jim's got cabins right down on the river. There's, there's no fires start there. And, and, but the Forest Service just does a clean sweep. And, and what we said earlier in the program, when, when you leave it up to the government, they're going to make it easy for the government and, and without consideration for a lot of people. And it just fries a lot of people. And I don't blame them. Okay, after the break, uh, by the way, you can go to SierraStreamsideCabins.com and see what 
you can't go to right now. After the break, Mark Wilson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, we have Mark Wilson on the line, and Mark is still catching stripers. Been a very unusually good year down in the Delta, despite the wind and this week the tides. Good morning, Mr. Wilson. And good morning, Bob. Yeah, a real steady bite this week. Hasn't yeah. been great. Uh, big tides. Uh, the bite window has been around that change of the tide. When the tide's running hard on that outgo, which is almost all morning now, uh, just real, real slow. But once that tide slows down, even that tide change and the start of the income, boy, they turn on. And a lot of fish showed up uh, last couple days. The Sacramento River, has West Bank side, has shown a whole lot of fish showing up at that change of the tide. They're not big. Five, six pounders down, but uh, a lot of action out there. Yeah, uh, now, earlier Mark, in the week, I fished. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I said earlier in the week, I fished. We got some nice quality fish, but it was slow. One here, one there. End of the day, like 10 keepers, a couple shakers. And we even got a salmon this week, about 20 pounds. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad that's starting to happen. But it had yeah. to be uh, nice, bright salmon, Mark. Yeah, very good shape. Okay. Very good now, shape. is what is anything is any of this action going on on the lower San Joaquin? Lower San Joaquin slowed down. Okay. Uh, it's hard to get a bite over there. I don't know where they went. Now, a couple of the guys went upriver towards Spindrift on the mouth of uh, the McCallany on the old flats across there, uh-huh. and uh, up towards. Um, uh, Potato Point, um, that area there, and caught fish. Not great, but they caught some fish up there, up to about five pounds. But so down that, river, down by the Antioch Bridge, that area that we were working down there, fish have disappeared. So for now, it's on the Sacramento side, uh, the West Bank, Decker Island, and how far down? Uh, I would say down probably, we call the Red Barn below Decker Island. Yeah. Down that far. Okay. And the further down you go right now, the dirtier the water gets with this big tides. Once the tide turn, uh, afternoon probably be good down there. You just have to look around with your just a, a, uh, electronics and try to find the fish. But uh, understand, yesterday fish were all over the place, 12 to 15 foot of water. Isn't that stuff? So you just got to be ready on that tide change. A couple days that tide will slow down. Things will change. Thank you, Mark. Right. The the good the, the state the state fair bite continues, doesn't it? Correct. Okay. Thank you, Mark. See you next week. All okay. Right. Bye bye. Well, a few minutes ago we told you about the um, state. Uh, waterfowl duck calling championships being held at Calusa this weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. And one of the guests they have there, and, and, and what they call the celebrity judge, is Logan Hancock from Monticello, Arkansas. Now, Logan, the reason he's a celebrity judge is because he is the world championship duck caller from 2015, 2017, and 2018. He's going to let somebody else win it this year. But he joins us now. Good morning, Logan. 
Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Uh, I'm just fine. Uh, I'm sure everybody is delighted that you could make it out here. Uh, that is one tough contest to win, the world championship duck caller, let alone win it three times. Um, but you're from Arkansas. When we think of hunting, um, you know, ducks in the timber and various swamps, we think of Arkansas. We've been reading it since we've been kids out here. Uh, it's a lot of rice field hunting. Uh, is you think there's a, a a difference in the way you call between the two environments? Yeah, absolutely, there can be. Uh, in the timber, um, the ducks tend to be can be a little bit closer, and and you don't need to be as loud sometimes. But uh, you know, out here in the open where you can see see miles away, sometimes you got to get a little loud and reach out there and and touch them. Yeah. Well, they even make timber calls that are a little, a little softer to the touch, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They've got uh, a little bit of rasp, uh, a little extra rasp sometimes. Sometimes it really depends on your calling preference and what you sound best with and what you think you you th- sound most like a duck with. Yeah. Now, when you call a lot of a lot of people out here for different conditions, whether it be windy or real quiet or overcast, whatever, they they have three or four different duck calls. Do you do the same thing? I I, I carry a couple most of the time. You know, one that's uh, what we call a cut down call, which is real loud and aggressive, real raspy. Um, that goes after the. Um, the cut down craze in the green timber of Arkansas, but then I also carry a little bit uh, less aggressive, uh, less raspy call, just in case that's what they want to hear that day. Yeah, you got a couple calls with you. Which one are you going to blow for us here? Uh, this this one I got in my hand is a RNT original. It's one of the. Uh, it's got a little bit of rasp if you want it, but it's it's real smooth and clean and crisp. So with, more with this- more rice field like. Would this be a rice field call, uh, duck call? Yeah, that's that's probably where I would use it most. Okay, well, let's hear it. All right. <laughs> now, everybody also uses the feeding chuckle. Uh, maybe not like that, but... Um, but, but, but since everybody does it, as soon as, as soon as the, the, the ducks start getting a little wary, uh, a lot of people are convinced it doesn't work because everybody uses it. Do you got any kind of a feeding or a, uh, a non hail call that you like to use to kind of get them to turn their heads your way? Um, I, I like to do, uh, when they're kind of weary like that is like a three note deal. Just, uh, real loud and, and and come down real soft just in three like, notes like here i am yeah just let's like, hear it nothing you know nothing there you crazy, go nothing it's just real simple um you don't hear it all the time from people hunting you know everybody hunting wants to put a whole bunch of notes together and it's just something a little different nobody does yeah well, you're going to be there talking to people. Uh, you're going to be judging. I'm sure you're going to take time to talk to people that have questions about calls and what calls to to use and where to get them and all that. Uh, 
It's it's a great event every year. You you make it better by being here, Logan. And I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time out to uh, come on the program and help talk about it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Bob. Okay, you have a good time this weekend. All right, will do. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Logan Hancock, three-time world duck-calling champion from Monticello, Arkansas. That was great. After the break, we will talk to Mr. Don Paganelli about Delta Bass. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, um, bass fishing is can be okay in the reservoirs. It's kind of a downtime. The Delta has its own dynamics, and Don Paganelli has been out twice this week for uh, different species of bass in the Delta, and he joins us now. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Bob. So we had some big tides this week. Did that affect your fishing? Uh, not not too much. Uh, it was moving pretty quick, though. Uh, yeah. On the uh, on the first trip, that was just going out straight after largemouth. Uh, it didn't. We didn't really see a whole lot of effect in it. But uh, that first part of the outgoing was terrific on the topwater bite. Okay. And so so where did you go your first trip? That was more the central part of the delta. Um, okay. Fishing down uh, off the, the sloughs that connect into the San Joaquin, uh, around Connection Slough, Disappointment Slough, yeah, White okay. Slough, uh, down in that area. Uh, yeah. And uh, then when that tide starts to level off and start to come in a little bit, when that topwater bite dies, we just start uh, working plastics right along the weed line. <coughs> and those fish are just tucked in there up against that weed line is that is that tide starts to move back a little bit yeah uh, so that that seemed to work out pretty good down there for the largemouth just strictly largemouth and then uh next trip was for smallmouth and uh for that we just work way up river here towards steamboat miner uh sutter slough sometimes out on the main sack uh, right there below walnut grove uh and above walnut grove uh, those areas are always great for the smallmouth. And then uh-huh. with the extended weed growth that we seem to have out there right now, uh, a lot of the, we're starting to see a lot more largemouth, uh, whereas before, you know, years back, we'd, all we'd catch a smallmouth bass out there. But yeah. we're starting to see a lot more largemouth and some decent ones on top of that that are yeah. in this real well, you know, current areas. I mean, the, the smallmouth in the river tend to be – there's a million of them, and they're and they're mostly small. You know, I mean, you got to catch a lot of fish to get a 14-incher, for example. But I would uh, imagine with the weed growth, that's going to allow for better feeding conditions for those fish, and the size is going to go up. Sounds like you got some pretty good fish that trip. They did. They did. They got some nice fish out of there. Um, the bigger largemouth were kind of a surprise. Uh, I never expected to see, you know, three-pound largemouth starting to come out of some of this stuff. We were catching them before yeah. that were a little bit smaller. Uh, and then we got some really nice smallmouth. Uh, usually, you know, you see a lot of one, one-and-a-half-pound smallmouth, but we ended up with some that were two-and-a-half pushing three. Boy, and that's nice. Those are nice smallmouth. Yeah, oh, when they, yeah. They're, they're fighting that current all the time, so they're very aggressive. And uh, that topwater bite that first half of the day is, is exciting. I mean, it's 
you just never know what's going to come up after it. And what were you it, it what really were you using on the hard. what top water baits were you using, Don? We were just using throwing stuff like a pop bar, uh, huh. something similar to a pop bar that uh, doesn't have a lot of pop to it, but more of a spit. And yeah. I like a I like a, a pretty nice heavy feather tail on them. Because sometimes when you throw that bait out and it's just resting before they even get a chance to move it, that tail's moving all by itself. And they had a lot of hits before they even had a chance to click the reel handle over uh, on a lot of these fish. So uh, that was exciting because a couple times they couldn't even catch up to it in time. They'd, they'd see the blow up and then have to try to pick up their line and everything else <laughs> before they had it going. But that's that's the exciting part of it. Uh and these fish were just stuffed with crawdads. Uh, I could not believe, uh, you know, just the, the belly and, and some of the, the feeding that was going on on the crawdads on these things. Because uh, <laughs> later, yeah, later on we started throwing uh, plastics and just pitching uh, just a robo worm in that Aaron's Magic color, uh, yeah. wacky rigging it. Uh, you can catch fish all day long throwing that thing. Um but uh, it, it's hard to beat that topwater bite in the morning. It's just hard yeah. to beat that, and then and then switch over to the plastics. Yeah. Um, you get get any spotted bass? Got one. Okay. One spotted bass that I could actually say this is a spot. Uh, yeah. And and I'm talking to people that are catching a lot more of them. Uh, they were never really in the system. Uh, that I can remember, uh, and then I started hearing about it and uh, caught them on and off here and there, but never any solid presence. But I'm starting to see a few more of them, and 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 they're like a smallmouth. They like the river systems. Uh, sure, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how that carries on through the years. Well, it should. It, it's taken them a long time. You know, when when the smallmouth get established. And the spots don't is kind of curious, you know. They're not that different in their preference for water temperatures and everything else. No, no, they aren't. And, you know, in the lakes, the same thing. When you're finding smallmouth, you're finding the spots kind of holding yeah. in the same areas. Uh, but we're, you know, the, it's 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 hard to beat the smallmouth. I mean, uh, when you get this kind of a fishery where you know you can just go out and catch uh, almost one right after the other on smallmouth. Some aren't really big, uh, but for the most part, you know, it's exciting. And especially for people that are trying to learn what a bite feels like on plastics. Uh, sure. It, it's a great way to, to practice that part of it. Uh, the topwater bite, I mean, anybody from kids to adults can throw a topwater and catch fish out there. But when it comes to the plastics, it's feeling that bite and knowing when to set the hook and all the rest of that, um, it can be uh, it can be a lot of fun and and it's a real instructional kind of situation out there for that. So uh, yeah, that's good, Don. Hey, thank you for the update. There it sounds like a couple of fun days. Uh, get back out. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Bob. Talk to you later. Okay. Thank you, Don. Don Paganelli. Book a trip with Don. Nine one six. 502-3474. After the break, Terry Knight from Clear Lake. <laughs> 